0: right. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to all of you here in uh, Fairmont, and welcome to all of you down in the uh, Bridgeport location uh, joining us this morning as well. Uh, If you are a guest this weekend, my name is uh, Justin. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, My role on staff is overseeing uh, our groups, community groups, life groups, as well as just providing pastoral care and counsel to individuals, uh, as well as couples. One of the things that really excites me most in ministry is just helping people identify uh, the distractions, the things that are getting in the way of peace and contentment and growth, uh, and trying to just figure out uh, how we can process through that and overcome those barriers. So, if that's anything you ever want to talk about, if you ever have any uh, distractions or anything going on in your life that's preventing you from contentment or growth, feel free to let me know. I'd be happy just to try to help you process through some of that. Uh, before I get into the message, I've had a few questions over the past couple of weeks about Pastor Seth. People are asking when is Pastor Seth coming back. Pastor Seth is coming back September 1st, Uh, so September 2nd, that's Labor Day weekend. He's not going to be teaching the message that weekend, but he should be here, uh, at least in the Fairmont location. Uh, And then September 9th is going to be his first message back after his summer sabbatical. We're beginning a brand new message series that weekend titled The Story of You uh, that he's going to be helping us kick off, so uh, it'll be good to have him back and kind of back in the saddle, so to speak. Uh, All right, with that said, we are now in... uh, In this message series we've called Summer in the Psalms, we've been going through this since the beginning of July, and uh, today I have the privilege of focusing on Psalm 119, right? Psalm 119. So if you have your Bible, your Bible app, whatever, you can feel free to uh, open it up to Psalm 119. I'm going to be reading a few verses from the NIV in that later on. Uh, But I wanted to start off with a story I heard uh, earlier this summer uh, Dean and I, we were at a, a pastor's conference up in Minneapolis, and uh, Matt Santon, he's the, he's the senior pastor down at Riverridge Church uh, in Charleston, he shared us this story about a long time ago when he was an area uh, Young Life director. Uh, he was getting together this, this big group of high school students to take to Young Life camp, and uh, this one particular student really, really wanted to go, but his family didn't have the funds to uh, send him. But there were a few scholarships available. So this kid goes to Matt and he's just begging and pleading like please let me go to young life camp. Let like let me go. Let me have one of those scholarships. Now for those of you who may not know, Young Life Camp isn't like a cabin in the woods with a few little trails around that you go hiking on. Uh, they've got obstacle courses and zip lining, and each camp's a little bit different, but Young Life Camp, for anybody who's been there, they would tell you that it's a really, really amazing experience. So this kid's begging and pleading with Matt, and Matt finally says, I'll tell you what, tell you what, go home, uh, memorize Psalm 119, come back to me. Recite it to me. Some of you are laughing because you know why that's funny already. Uh, Recite it to me, and then you can go to Young Life Camp. Now, this is in the days before cell phones. A kid just couldn't look up Psalm 119. He drove home. He was really excited. He pulled a Bible off his shelf. He opened it up to Psalm 119, and he handled it about as well as you could expect a high school student to handle it. He picked up his phone. He called Matt back, and as soon as Matt answered, he just said, you know what? You're a jerk. (laughs) You know And Matt just kind of laughed out loud and he said, I'll still make a deal with you. If you can find a whole bunch of friends to take one of the sections of Psalm 119 so that all of you combined can memorize it and recite it to me, uh, you can still go to Young Life Camp. And to throw some icing on the cake, Matt even took one of the sections uh, himself. Now, as you guys uh, may or may not know, Psalm 119 is by far the longest chapter Uh, In all of the Bible, using some Google Foo this week, I discovered that it's 2,445 words. So you can imagine trying to memorize a 2,500-word essay. That's pretty much uh, what it would be like. Uh, But again, in the end, this kid got to go to Young Life Camp. But I'd like to think that the experience that he had to go through in order to go to Young Life Camp was even more meaningful and even uh, more memorable, more impactful in his life than the Young Life Camp itself. I'd like to think that at a young age, being in high school, that his need to ask other people for help was a really, really big life lesson for him. I'd like to think that the time that he spent in God's Word and pouring over it and and memorizing it was something that stayed with him for years and years, even more than the things that he learned that year at camp. Now, I'm not going to lie, when I picked uh, Psalm 119 to teach, I really wasn't sure how to teach it. In fact, I've asked a couple people this morning if they just wanted to read through all of Psalm 119, and that would give me like five minutes to speak uh, because it's so long. And honestly, it's such a good chapter in the Scriptures. I'm not sure that that's such a bad idea, but uh, I just want to focus on this message in in the typical outline that I go with. Uh, I like to ask questions, and so that's what I'm going to do. I just want to start off with a simple question. Um, What would you say the Bible... Most communicates to us. You know, if you were to, to write down a bullet list, if you think God was going to write down a bullet list of this is what my word to you is all about, what would it say? For example, you might say that the Bible is all about rules or laws. You might say that, that the scriptures are all about uh, our faith. You might say that it's all about our truth. But I'm going to give you 20 seconds, 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor uh, and just talk real quick. What would you say that the scriptures are all about? And then I will uh, just continue on here with the message. So, 20 second timeout. Alright, everybody Everybody got something? Got something? I see a bunch of heads nodding here in Fairmont. I'm going to assume there's heads nodding in Bridgeport too. Good, so let's go ahead and, and go on here. Uh, the reason for this question is that Psalm 119 is really all about uh, God's Word. In, in fact, to be more specific, it's all about uh, the Word of the Lord. And uh, just doing some research on this this week, I discovered in the uh, NIV Zondervan Study Bible that throughout Psalm 119, there's 10 different words that are used to describe the word of the Lord. And and guess what? We're going to take some time here to go through all 10 of those words. Aren't you excited about that? Yeah. Now, we're not doing this because there's a small group of people here at the church who referred to me as the professor. Okay? We're not, we're not doing it for that reason. I don't know what they've nicknamed Seth or Dean. I've, I've been told that they have a nickname for all of us. I've been nicknamed the professor despite Dean having a beard that like goes down to his ankles. But hey, we're going to run with it. But we're not doing this because I've been nicknamed the professor. We're doing this because uh, I think it's, it's a, a bad idea to have a narrow view of the Scriptures. I'm not sure what words that you, you came up with in your mind when you were thinking about this, but I don't think it's good or wise to have a narrow view of the Scriptures. You know, if we have a narrow view of God's Word, then we have a narrow view of who God is. If we have a, a narrow view of God's Word, then we have a narrow view of, of who we are, who He's made us to be, who He's inviting us to become. And, I don't think it's wise to think that way. And I'm guessing that you wouldn't think it's wise to uh, live that way either. So we're just going to quickly go through all 10 of the words that are used in Psalm 119. And as we go through these, just, just you know, feel free to write them down in your service guide there. You've got blank spaces to put them in. Uh, but put a little star, or an asterisk by any of the words that you did not think of when you were thinking about the scriptures. So we're just going to start here in verse 1. Uh, it says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. So this is the first word. It's either law or instruction. Some translations translate this Hebrew word as uh, instruction instead of as as law. In fact, instruction might be uh, the better word. And basically what the term here means is that uh, all of the scriptures is the instruction from God, not just a part of it. So maybe another way to put this, you know, you think about uh, going out, you buy a car, it's got an instruction manual in the glove compartment. Uh, You don't get to pick and choose which of those to follow and which of those not to follow. I mean, you do get to pick and choose, but if you decide you're going to uh, change the oil but not the brakes, you're going to be in trouble at some point in time. Uh, And the scripture is very similar to this. We don't get to Pick and choose what's relevant to us and what's not relevant to us. We don't get to to pick and choose what God wrote uh, for us and what He didn't write for us. He gave us all of it as kind of an instruction manual for our lives, and that's the first thing. That's the first thing that uh, Psalm one nineteen tells us. Move it into verse two. Uh, Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their hearts. So this is statutes. Uh, this is basically. This is basically like somebody giving a testimony about themselves to somebody else. Uh, Back in the book of Exodus, when uh, the law was initially given to Moses, the Bible tells us that God wrote it down. It wasn't Moses who went up on the mountain, who wrote down what he heard from God, but it was uh, written from the finger of God himself. So we want to see the scriptures as God's statutes. It was something that was given to us by God himself. It's not something that people wrote down about God. Uh, It's just what God gave us through his people. If we move down into verse 3, again, it's talking about those who are blameless. It says, uh, they do no wrong, but they follow his ways. So, ways would be a word to describe uh, the word of the Lord. Uh, This basically just means the way in which we ought to live, Uh, in the same way that we ask for directions. You know, how do I get from here to this place over there. Back when this was written, it was common language for people to say, Hey, can you show me the way to get to this place? So we should see the, the scriptures as the way that God has uh, led us to live. Now, I want to emphasize one of the words in this verse here, uh, and that's the word follow. It talks about the importance of following the ways of the Lord. We live in a world today in which the word uh, leadership is used all the time. We hear it from churches, we hear it from Christians, we hear it uh, from John Maxwell, we hear it from other people who focus just on the topic of uh, leadership. And and while there are many, many ways that people will present to us how we grow in leadership, the scriptures are pretty clear that, that the best way to grow in leadership is to be a follower of Jesus Christ first. Now, there's a lot more that I could say to that, but just just kind of hold on to that. Anytime you're at a a training for work or you're in class or whatever it is, you're reading through a book and you see that word leadership pop up, remember that that the best way to grow in leadership is to follow God and to trust God, and you will grow. If we move into verse 4, it says, you have laid down your precepts that are to be fully So the word precepts here, this is a term that uh, outlines the importance of of safeguarding God's word, of kind of keeping it close to the chest. Just like we grow in leadership by following Christ, we grow in our faithfulness towards God by keeping his word close to us, by safeguarding it at all times. Moving into verse 5, we have the word decrees. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. A decree was something that was only written by a king. So this is the author's way of saying that that God is the king of his people. And, of course, what would happen in ancient cultures is that a king would write down a decree it would be copied several times it would be sent out to all the villages all the towns all the all the cities and the decree would be read out loud so that the people would hear the decree from the king this is how the scriptures were treated in ancient israel and even in the roman empire you know long time ago they would see the word of the lord they would see the bible they would see the scriptures as a decree from their king, and they would read it publicly for hours upon end, just to let it soak in a little bit. We move on into uh, number six is commands that I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. Now this is the same word that's used uh, in Exodus chapter twenty, Deuteronomy chapter six, for like the Ten Commandments. so if, when you were thinking about what the scriptures give us, if you came up with rules or laws or something like that, commands is probably right in line uh, with what you were thinking about with that. It's just so important to remember that while there are commands, God has given us commands uh, throughout His Word, the main purpose of His Word wasn't to make us rule followers. Like that, that wasn't God's. Uh, desire when, when he gave us his word. His desire was to lead us in trusting him. It was to to give us instruction for the way we ought to live. It was, it was to uh, give us advice in what it looks like to follow him. Now, the scriptures don't say that when we do follow God, when we do trust God, when we are a true follower of Jesus, that uh, we won't experience any suffering in this life. In fact, it says just the opposite, but it does teach us. It does teach us that if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, if we're truly uh, trusting God, then when difficult circumstances and and hurts and pain and and things do come up in our lives, that we can still experience tremendous peace and contentment because we are following the leading of God we move on to verse number seven, uh, or not, yeah, it is verse number seven, we see the word laws come up. Uh, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn about your righteous laws. Now this is, this is a real specific word that is just about what is right and wrong, what is uh, righteous, what is unrighteous. More than anything, it has to do with uh, justice. It has to do with the legal system. God gave us some laws so that we would understand what justice could look like. We see this same word used in Leviticus chapter 19. It's actually translated as justice. It says, Do not pervert justice. Do not pervert the law. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. You know, in the ancient world, this idea of justice was a really, really uh, big deal. And and today, it's still a really, really big deal. It's why we have the legal system that we have. If we move on uh, to verse number nine, we see word described here. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Okay, this emphasizes that uh, the scriptures were literally spoken by God. There's a, there's a really big correlation here scripturally because in uh, John chapter 1 in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the Word. So we see the Word of God here in Psalm 119, and we see Jesus also identified as the Word. Okay, moving on, this is all the way down in verse 41, the word promise is used for God's Word. Uh, May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Again, ancient world, promises were made then in the same way that they're made today. Two people would have some kind of a, a verbal agreement with each other. So, so the scriptures are to be seen as like a, a verbal agreement that God has with his people for his uh, righteousness, for his unfailing love, for his uh, coming salvation, just to confess here, if I was going to write down a list of what I thought the uh, the Scriptures communicate, I don't know that the word promise would have come into my mind. I think it's important to remember that God has promised us pages and pages and pages of His promises and that we can we can rest in that. And finally, uh, all the way down in verse 90, we see the word faithfulness used. It says, your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. This highlights that God's promises were uh, written down. That they act as a witness to God's ongoing faithfulness to his people. I'm going to swing back to this verse here in just a little bit. But uh, for now, we're going to put all 10 of these words up here on the side screens. Uh, and I just want you to kind of think about the word or the words that you came up with earlier. Which one of these did not Come into your mind. You know, law instruction—that that all of the uh, scriptures are equally important. That it's an instruction manual for our lives. That that it's uh, was written by God Himself. That it shows us the ways in which we ought to live. Uh, precepts that, that we need to safeguard, kind of hold close to the chest, uh, the scriptures and protect them. Uh, that that God's people see Him as their King. You know, And all the other ones that are listed there as well. You know, if I, if I look at this list, if I'm just being honest and I think about my church experience from uh, early childhood all the way up through today, some of the ones that first come into my mind are commands or laws. Maybe that's because of the church experience that I've had. Maybe it's because our culture just says that that's what uh, the Bible is. It's just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of uh, laws to follow. My own experience in life misses some really key points about what the Scriptures are. My own experience misses out that that God is primarily a God of grace first and that we will grow more if we recognize God as a God of grace first. It's important that we see that, that we see God as a God of grace. And my, my guess is my guess is that I'm not the only one uh, who, if you were to think about your life experience that that's what you think of, that you kind of think of rules or laws first, and not faithfulness or promises. Some, Psalm 119 uh, opens our eyes in this way. In the same way that we shouldn't put uh, God in a box, we ought not to put His word in a box. Either. It isn't wise to have a narrow view of His Word because it gives us a narrow view of Him, gives us a narrow view of His creation, it gives us a narrow view of who we are and who He's called us to be, and we don't want to have a narrow view of God. So that's just a really, uh, really quick overview there of the 10 different words that are used uh, in Psalm 119. Uh, If you want to focus more on just uh, how we value the Scriptures here at Southridge or the ways in which we could uh, value the Scriptures in our lives more than our work, more than our families, more than some other things, you can uh, listen to the first message in this series uh, on Psalm chapter 1. In fact, all of the messages from this series uh, are right available on the Southridge website or in the Southridge app. You can download uh, or stream them there just to kind of get caught up a little bit. Now, I realize that some here might be thinking, you know what, you got me. Uh, I, I want to be in God's Word more. This all sounds great to me, but I don't even know where to start. Like, I literally don't even know where to start. Um, one place probably not to start is Psalm 119, because it's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Uh, so maybe don't start there. Uh, but I just want to tell you that you're in good company here. Like, I've, I've been there. Sometimes I still read stuff, and I'm like, I need to go look that up and kind of see what that means. Uh, Back in high school, let me me say this, Uh, just this past month, I read through uh, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, and uh, the first time I read through Isaiah, I was in high school, I heard a message, a pastor used some scripture verses from Isaiah and I was like, man, that was really, really good. He really made some good points there. I want to read the entire book of Isaiah and I went home and over the next few days I read through Isaiah from beginning to end and I had absolutely no idea what it was talking about and don't even get me started on like the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. Like let's, let's not even go there. So if that's you, like if that's you and you're really not sure where to start, I usually encourage people to start with something in the New Testament. You know, people usually encourage people to start with uh, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, One idea is just to read uh, Luke and then read Acts because they were both written by the same person. One of them is the start, uh, you know, all about the life of Jesus. And then the other one is the start of Christianity as a whole. So you can read Luke right into Acts and just kind of let that um, settle in a little bit. But really, one of the points I want to make today is that while being invested in the Scriptures, spending time uh, reading God's Word is extremely important. You know, it's something I do uh, almost every day of the week. I spend time in God's Word. Reading it is important, but reflecting on what we read and taking the opportunity to uh, respond in some way to what we've read is even more important. I listened to an audiobook this summer, and, and the author talked about, uh, this isn't in my script here, so I don't want to mess this up. Uh, the author talked about uh, how, we, how it's easy to memorize facts about who Jesus was. It's easy to memorize facts about who Jesus was. It's a lot harder to actually reflect and then respond and live our lives in the same way that Jesus lived. That's what I want to encourage everybody here is to take time to reflect and respond on God's word. So a second question I just want to give you guys this week is what will you hear from God this week? What will you hear from God this week? This acronym, uh, H-E-A-R, is something that I shared in, in the first week of this message series And it's probably something that I'm going to uh, refer to fairly often. It's a really simple reading method in where you just, you take the opportunity, you read through uh, one to two chapters of scripture, and then you kind of walk through this process. So uh, the first step is you highlight a passage. Just highlight one passage. You can write down the name of the book, uh, the chapter, and then just kind of give it a title. Like, why does this passage speak to me, So read one to two chapters and then just focus on one verse or a couple of verses of what sticks out to you. And then you can explain that passage. Who was this passage written to? Why was it written? Uh, how does it fit in with some of the surrounding verses? And, and what may God be communicating through this passage? You don't need to answer all of these questions. You can just kind of pick one of them out. But this is just a way to reflect on what it is that you have read. Then you can get into the process of thinking about how you can apply this passage. Like, like, how can this passage help me? How can I apply this passage in my everyday life? And then finally, you can think about how you can respond to what it is that you've read. You can respond in prayer, you can respond by writing down a prayer, you can commit to doing something specific, you can uh, and just answer the question, uh, who is God inviting me to be as a result of what I'm reading in this passage, and what's my next step in becoming this person? Now if I was to take all of Psalm 119, which again may not be the best example, but if I was to take Psalm 119 and go through this process, it could look something like this. If we focus on uh, verse 90, highlight that. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. Then I can move on into the explain category. Why was it written? This verse was written as a reminder... That God's faithfulness endures through all of life's circumstances. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, it doesn't matter how bad it is, it doesn't matter how challenging or difficult it may be, God's faithfulness will endure. And I can rest in that. How can I apply this passage? When, When difficulties or challenges arise in my life, I'm going to remember this verse. I'm going to remember that God's faithfulness is far more enduring than anything i may experience and how will i respond maybe i'll take a picture of god's creation to just remind me of his faithfulness maybe i'll i'll put this verse and kind of embed it in that picture and i'll look at it several times a day just to be a reminder that no matter what i'm going through in life i can remember that god's faithfulness endures This isn't a hard or or lengthy thing to do. It might take you eight to ten minutes after you read through a couple chapters of Scripture, but it gives you an opportunity to really reflect on and really respond to God and what you've read in His Word. I realize that um, I've given you guys a whole bunch of like blanks to fill in today. Thanks for your cooperation with that. In um, 13 years of ministry, 11 years in, in full-time ministry, I don't think I've ever, ever had that many blanks for people to fill in during one message. So it's your lucky day, I guess. Uh, but I do want to give one other note here uh, to kind of close out. And, and what I want to do is focus on uh, Psalm 119... You may have noticed this if you had your Bible open or if you had your Bible app open, if you were reading through it. You saw that it was broken into a a whole bunch of different sections. In fact, there's, there's, I think, 22 different sections. They're all eight verses each. And and what the author did is he used a little bit of creativity. Again, God was kind of speaking through him, but he used some creativity. And each stanza through Psalm 119 uh, began with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It doesn't translate over to English very well, but but that's how this was written out. You know, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet starts the first stanza, the second letter starts the second stanza, and it goes all the way through, all the way to the end. So the question I have for you to kind of close out here is: how has God uniquely suited you? How has God uniquely suited you to be creative? when it comes to responding to God or responding to his word. And there's a lot of different ways that we can be uh, creative, whether it's uh, music or art or photography or writing or, or poetry or, or whatever it may be. There's just countless ways we can be creative. Now, some here may be thinking, in fact, many people here may be thinking, that's not me. I'm not creative. I don't even know where to start when it comes to being uh, creative. Now, while the Bible doesn't specifically say God made us to be creative people, it does say that we've been made in the image of God. And we can see God's creativity in everything that he has created. And I believe that a part of being created in the image of God is that he has made us To be creative, that that he's made us in such a way that we shouldn't lose our imaginations, that that no matter how old we get, that we can use creativity in worshiping God or in responding to God. Let me just give you a couple of really quick, simple examples of how uh, creativity can be used in in responding to what we read. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says this, "'For you have been called to live in freedom.'" There it is, black and white. That's what you read uh, in, in your Bible, nothing more to it. Now, here's the same scripture verse with some artwork added behind it. That just came for free right on the uh, version Bible app. You know, I kind of copied verse of the day, and boom, there there it is. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not very creative. It's just somebody putting the verse over uh, an image. But if you're going to put something by your desk at work or uh, you know, somewhere else, put it on your phone as a background, that's going to speak to you a little differently, a little more meaningfully than maybe just the verse in black and white. Let me do just one more. This is Romans 12.2. This is kind of my uh, personal life verse. And uh, the New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So again, there it is just in black and white. Uh, Here it is in kind of a picture form. You're not going to be able to read the text there. That's okay. Uh, That is the wallpaper that I have on my phone. Uh, My lovely wife, Megan, took the picture uh, when she was on a women's retreat in Scotland uh, last fall, and I just kind of embedded that scripture verse at the bottom, and every time I go to my phone now for anything. Yes, I can't put as many icons on there because of the scripture verse, but anytime I go to my phone for anything, a text message, uh, an an email, open up another calendar app or something like that, I see this verse. It's right there every single time I pick up my phone. Again, I, I think that being created in the image of God means that we've been designed to be creative, to respond to God, to respond to his word in interesting ways that we can use our imagination. So uh, last week, last week Ben Toole, Area Young Life Director, he gave the message here, uh, and he kind of dared everybody to read through Psalm 139. I don't know how many people took him up on that, but that, that was his challenge to us last week. So my challenge this week is kind of the same, like, like I dare you to take the time this week to hear from God, to read a couple chapters of Scripture a day and to walk through that process of highlighting and explaining and applying and responding to what you've read. I kind of dare you to take an opportunity to think of creative ways to respond to God and to His Word. Maybe it's drawing something or writing something or painting something. Maybe it's listening to a worship song uh, with your eyes closed so you can kind of fully take it in at, at a different level, whatever it is, God has, my opinion, God has uniquely suited each of us to be creative. So I, my encouragement is just to use that creativity to explore the depth of who God is, the depth of, of who he's made you to be, and who knows what you may glean from doing so. Let's go ahead and close out here uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do uh, just thank you for for Psalm 119 and the encouragement that it gives us to uh, be in your word on an ongoing basis and just what your word means and and how amazing and awesome uh, and true and life-giving it really is. I just pray that as uh, each of us goes out this week, That we would take the opportunity to uh, get to know who you are by investing in your word, but also by reflecting on it and by responding to it in our lives. That we would just continue to become the people that you have uh, called each and every one of us to be. And I just pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.